Hey, everybody out there in Movie Geek Land. It's Movie Geeks United. It's a special episode tonight because we're officially celebrating our 10th birthday. Ten years ago, on April 15th, 2007, I was about to say 1977. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I had no idea why I was about to say that. Uh, we uh, broadcast our first uh, podcast. Uh, we really didn't have any idea what podcasts were. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of publicists and people didn't either. I mean, this was the early days of podcasting. I was listening to an interview with uh, Kevin Smith, and he said, look, I got in at the very beginning of podcasting exactly 10 years ago in 2007. He started in February of 2007, and we started in April of 2007. So it was it was just kind of entering the lexicon, the whole podcasting revolution, and it would only grow. But I mean, in my recollection, there was nothing really like um, movie geeks at that time where we would bring in guests every week to talk about craft and that sort of thing. I mean, that was not uh, commonplace back then. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, I, I'd never heard of anything like it before. I mean, I, you know, you heard about it on the on the outskirts, but certainly nothing, not what we were doing. I mean, yeah, for me, I mean, uh, well, you know, my first call into the show was, I guess, around September of two thousand nine, and that was really my first foray into. A podcast. I just wanted. I heard about podcasts. I wanted to see if there was one about movies, and uh, so there just happened to be one playing. And you were starting hey, something boy, live. Did call. you get into the mother load? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, so, we're fortunate yeah. that you found this too. I mean, we're all yeah, really. Here. I mean, uh, so so so. I guess we we've done this before, but for the we're constantly picking up new. Listeners who might not have heard this story. So this is how we began. We began Movie Geeks United began uh, on another show altogether. Uh, it was called the Dead Air Show. Uh, now Jerry and I, we had not, never spoken to one another. We knew each other through kind of social media back and forth because we both write stuff about movies, and we both comment on the other stuff and. This podcast on Blog Talk Radio called The Dead Air Show invited me to come on to talk about Oscar predictions for the 2007 ceremony. And so uh, I promoted it on social media. Jerry saw it. Jerry called in during my guest spot, and we spoke for the very first time. And uh, you're about to hear a clip of that uh, initial conversation. Hey, uh, looks like we got a caller on the line. Um, Possibly with a question from Mr. Uh, Jamie here. Looks like it's a caller from 301, which the Internet is telling me is Maryland. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, uh, this is Jerry. I just wanted to call in and say hello to Jamie. Hey, Jerry. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's great to hear you. It's great to hear you, too, man. <laughs> this, this is one of my main uh, talkbackers on, on the uh, movie review blog, and he has a review blog of his own, and he's an incredible writer. Incredible oh, writer. thank you. That's, that's, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Got any questions for for uh, for Jamie here? You just, well, uh, just one. I was very nice to hear him talk about Pauline Kael and uh, Roger Ebert, who I do agree gets a bum rap because of the whole thumbs up, thumbs down thing. And I, I sometimes want to know where the thumb has been, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. But um, 
it's strange. I mean, that was the first time you and I spoke, and and the Dead Air guy sh- show guys said, you guys have a rapport, and you obviously know your stuff about movies. Why don't you do your own show on Blog Talk Radio? I, I was in the dark. I was like, how do how do I do it? And if it wasn't for the complete simplicity of Blog Talk Radio, I think I'd still be trying to figure out how to do it. <laughs> I hear I hear you on that, man. Totally. But yeah, we yeah. said, why don't we give it a shot? So April fifteenth, we did our first topic was. Um, I think we talked about the Grindhouse with Tarantino and Rodriguez we, that had just we, opened. Yeah, we it was Grindhouse is the big thing that weekend, the big thing that week actually that we're all excited about, and and it's so funny talk talking about that now and how uh, God, I mean, how ancient and arc and even trivial that all seems ten years later. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but at the time it was huge. I mean, at the time it was all anybody was talking about. That episode of that discussion about Grindhouse, it's uh, it's up there. If you go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash moviegeeksunited, uh, you'll see a link to both the Dead Air show where Jerry and I first spoke and you know met in a virtual sense and uh, our, our premiere episode as well. Another thing that a lot of people don't realize, we've been doing this show together. I mean, Jerry and I for 10 years – uh, Dean entered the fray uh, eight eight years ago. Mm. Um, that's how long we've been doing it, and we have never met. <laughs> I know, isn't that just crazy? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you was... live in the waste the wastelands of um, like Florida, me just the backwater parts of like the metro DC suburbs, and we have never met. Um, yeah, and I'm like right in the middle there. I mean, well, you're, you are, dude. You're, but you're like in. You know, it's really funny though, Dean. Since you've been on the show, your city, every move, a lot of major movies are filmed there now. Yeah, yeah, we've become a, a major. I guess it's the third biggest uh, film industry in in the world. I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, Maybe maybe it's the nation. Uh, maybe that might be the nation. But uh, yeah, I think after DC and LA, it's the third now. It's no DC was the third at one time. Uh, all the local, all the news production. I would and everything. think New York must still be there. So. Yeah, I mean, the Dean didn't start off in Atlanta when he first called in. He was in New York City, and so True. the big running gag, running gag every time Dean would call in was like. How many ambulances are we going to hear in the background? I mean, it was, the the ambiance was priceless every time he called in. That was that was extremely memorable, you know, because uh, I was living in a place in uh, Midwood, Brooklyn. You know, the uh, the I guess the home uh, the hometown of um, Woody Allen, where Woody hmm. Allen was brought up, but. Um, I was living in Midwood, Brooklyn, in this place, and I had to go down to the streets in order to even get a signal on my crappy phone. So I had to do all, all of these uh, shows on the streets, which uh, I think <laughs> I think was kind of neat. In uh, looking back on it, and uh, anytime I go to New York now, uh, if I happen to go to cover a film festival or something, I still enjoy doing the. Uh, the commentary from the streets rather than someplace. It was great times. I mean, yeah, you're out there with the people. 
You can almost <laughs> yeah. you can almost smell the streets. In your yeah. Tone. You can smell the urine baking in the uh, subway. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the original, I got to say this, the original incarnation of um, Movie Geeks, uh, we had a third uh, with us. It wasn't just me and Jerry. Um, I mean, here I am in Florida, and I ha- had a really good friend. Uh, he's still my good friend, Chris. And... Uh, funny as hell and really sharp about movies and a lot of times very uh, unique and original opinions about movies so I said why don't you join us why don't we do this thing together and uh, he said sure so it was the three of us for a while Uh, and do you remember the first thing that you this is the first thing that Chris did for the show and it was the first thing that listeners heard when they tune into the premiere episode. Do you remember what that was, Jerry? <laughs> Wasn't it the William Freakin? Um... Yes, it Wasn't was. That it? Yes, it, it was. was. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was incredible. I mean, Chris, do you remember that William Freakin impression? I do remember the William Freakin impression. Yes. I was like, you you guys are the only people in the world that could appreciate my William Freakin impression at the time. <laughs> At that time, don't, no, no one laugh. was doing freaking no impressions at that time. <laughs> there was no one doing it. I was the first one. No one, no one was doing that at that time before. <laughs> this this you know, is how that came we, about. I mean, Chris we were and podcasting. I... No one even knew what podcasting was until I told them. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I mean, Chris and I, we we would joke about William Freakin because we would see him and like we would hear him in commentaries, and then he would do video introductions to his commentaries, and he just <laughs> came off as so incredibly pompous and arrogant. And Chris had Chris had this freaking impression. And I was like, we should open the, our show with this because it would let people know that you know we're really geeky about movies. It's not just Let's talk about the latest superhero flick, and it, it would weed out the people that weren't really obsessed with movies right away. And yeah. the irony of ironies is, I mean, you did that freaking impression where we made fun of how arrogant he was, and then yeah. five years later, I'm on the phone with freaking talking to him for an hour and a half, and I'm like, man, this is the nicest guy. <laughs> And the whole time I'm thinking in my head about that impression. <laughs> and it, it felt like a full circle moment, dude. Hello, William Friedkin here, the director of such classics as The Exorcist, uh, French Connection, uh, Jade, uh, The Sorcerer. Uh, you know, I was going to call it The Sorcerer, but we ended up going with just Sorcerer. Uh, these are all my films. Of course, I was there for the inception of many, many others. But I'm not here to talk about myself. I certainly can. I, you know, uh, for instance, I, I also invented many other things. Uh, I invented, oh, uh, there's so many. Uh, uh, I invented streets. Uh, no one was driving on, uh, on gravel, you know, uh, before, before I came up with the idea to pave roads. It was basically my idea. Lawyers in love. Basically my song. But like I said, I'm here to speak about Movie Geeks United which is also my idea, but I've given it to these fellows, uh, uh, Jerry, uh, Jamie, and Chris, to sort of run with it. No one was putting movie talk on the Internet before I came up with it. Uh, And I said to these guys, just do it. 
see how it pans out. If it doesn't work, come back to me and I'll fix it. This is their first show, so, you know, give it a listen, give them a try. Remember, I'm not going to be there for the whole thing. Obviously, if I was, it, you know, it would be a huge success. And we'll see. Maybe that will happen. Perhaps I'll pop in again. So you guys are united, huh? United to do what? Take over the world? Or? United to, to, to celebrate cinema. That's what we're all about. Well, that's a very noble ideal, and I appreciate it. Let, let me tell you that, I mean, you, you've given me so much time today. I, I just want to leave you with this and tell you that you've made such a mark on my life, and your films mean a great deal to me. So this has been a great pleasure to speak with you. Well, your questions are great, Jamie, and uh, I enjoyed doing it very much. And, you know, stay in touch. Yeah, and the thing is, he was always seemed like in the interviews and stuff, he was always sort of taking credit for something that no one had done before, and no one had ever shot a car chase like this, and no one ever filmed in the Amazon before. <laughs> everyone said they couldn't do it, and he was the first one that did it. But, yeah, the interview you did with him, of course, he comes off like the biggest sweetheart in the world. Uh, that's that's pretty great. Yeah, we, we, were, we were like, uh, we talked for like probably three hours in total. Uh, he's a talker, he's, and he's one of the great rock on tours, too. I mean, he he can really enthrall you. So, Chris, looking back at your you know, enormous contribution, I mean, everyone that fell in love with Movie Geeks United from the very beginning, you were a major part of that, at least a third, I would say. <laughs> I would have to say a huge part. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. I mean, it, it is one of the reasons that I, I think that we, you know, with that chemistry is very important for the first couple of years. There's no beating around the bush about that. Um yeah, and Chris, well, you know, what, what, Chris, didn't you ahead, actually uh, didn't you actually suggest the name Movie Geeks United? Is that correct, or am I? I'm not sure. If I did, it's possible. Jamie would probably remember that better than me. Um, we went through a lot I of don't. different. We talked about a lot of different names. <laughs> what are some of the uh, failed names? Do you remember any of them? Oh God, no! I don't remember oh. the failed names. What what I do remember is that uh, the show got started by Jamie and I would go and talk at you know uh, Starbucks about movies for hours and hours on end, and then you know decided maybe we should make a show like this, and then he got in touch with Jerry somehow, and I think right. it's through fucking MySpace or something like that. Wasn't yeah, it? Mm -hmm. like how? Yep. God, that, that, that's that how long ago that, that was. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we are so old. So, yes, we are. Uh, so, Chris, what, yeah. is, what are your fondest memories when you look back at those origins of the show? What comes to mind? Um, I think it's funny if you go back and listen to some of the old shows, which I have, like how sort of, uh, you know, I don't want to get all Friedkin-esque here, but uh, no one was <laughs> doing that at the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, like when, when we started – we, I literally remember having to explain to people what a podcast was, and they're like, wait a minute, it's on the internet, but I listen to it, I'm not <laughs> watching it, it's, not, uh, it's like the radio, but it's on the internet, and people were very confused by this, like, I mean, truly, we were, I don't think anyone I knew knew what a podcast was when we started doing it, um, and yeah, we certainly true. were the first people to do podcasts, there were podcasts around but it was way, way in the infancy of podcasting. So I just remember it being very exciting that we were getting on the phone. I mean, this was kind of a new technology, 
And the only way we had to gout about movies prior to this was to literally go to Starbucks and just geek out with each other. And here we are geeking out with Jerry, who's on the other side of the country. And it's our own little yeah. show, and people are listening yeah. to it. And, and there it, it was a real sense of excitement every time we were waiting for the show to start. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. I got to say this. Um, it, it came like the – because I attended a film festival before that first weekend. And so I said, well, maybe I can do some interviews for the fest, from the festival and stuff. We never really intended it for it to be an interview show at first. But then it kind of caught steam, and I said, well, let me see how far I can take this. Most publicists had no idea what a podcast was. Like, yeah. that, was the ma- that was the major stumbling block. And so it took us interviewing a lot of people and making a good impression for them to finally embrace not only us but the format as a whole. Uh, because I mean, they were they were clueless. They they yeah. they thought it was just I'm not going to put somebody in in your garage and have you interview them. And I'm like, no no no. They 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 call right. on the phone and it's. <laughs> well, that can be that's evidenced by you know the the guest list at the very beginning of the show. You know, I mean, people think about you interviewing people like Alan Rickman and Francis Ford Coppola. But the first couple shows, we were like, oh, we got the second assistant gaffer on Operation Delta Force. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> that was yeah. a great interview. Uh, it was but, a great uh, interview. <laughs> But I still remember the thrill. Um, we did, like, one of the first uh, – it's probably, like, the fourth or fifth show. We decided to pay tribute to David Lynch. And mm. I, I remember you coming over after we taped it, and we were like, it worked. Like, it, it, it went off. You know, it did, we did well. It with did. It. We were so excited. Yeah, it was like uh, we were – still just sort of figuring out what all we could and couldn't do because at the beginning, I mean, we, we, we really didn't know what it was going to be, if it was just going to be us talking, if we were going to be able to interview people, how would we be able to interview people and do these sort of tribute shows? And yeah, I mean, at the beginning it was very exciting. We had like anything in the world that we were able to do a show about. And, you know, we put together our lists and stuff like that. Okay. Next week we're going to talk about, you know, the top 10 movies that need to be remade and things like that. And, some of those right. lists were kind of prescient if you go back and look at them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It, it was almost like I mean we were able we were able to write our own rules uh, for the show because there was no outline from anyone else that we had to go by. Uh, yeah. And what was extra challenging about it was that it was all live, like the, the talent had to call at a certain time. So so here I am, my remembrances of the early days is sitting at, the, at my computer at the switchboard and trying to carry on an interview and constantly looking at the switchboard and trying to recognize the area code of the next guest and then closing off the interview so I could pick up the next guest. Ordinarily, a producer would do that for you if it was a traditional radio show. But right. So every show was so... Anxiety riddled. <laughs> oh, for me. But oh god, good times. Or, good times. or screening some of those calls. Remember the first couple shows? We had a couple people call in. Sounded like they were calling in from the back of a fucking dirt bike in Vietnam or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, god, like, yeah. Oh shit. I mean, like, where are you calling us from? Like, where yeah. are you listening to this show from? 
I'll never forget one thing that you said. You were talking to, I forget who was calling in, one of our listeners who was trying to produce some films, and uh, he seemed, like, occupied as he was interviewing with us. And, uh, and I remember you asked him, what are you, riding a horse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got some really uh, weird calls back then. Like, I guess as all shows do in their infancy, it wasn't, they weren't all great calls. We didn't have any call screeners, you know? So whoever was on the line, we were like, uh, fuck yeah, patch them through. Let's talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. We'd regret it like a minute later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but here's here's another really cool thing. I mean, you were on the phone with Brian De Palma. I mean, all three of us idolized Brian De Palma. Right. And so when yeah. when we were on the phone and we were waiting for De Palma to call in, <laughs> I mean, I was petrified. Uh, but we all three got to ask him questions. That that was like the coolest feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was De Palma was probably when it started to feel like, holy shit, like this is for real. Like we had certainly had some guys on there that were that were people we'd heard of, somebody like Stephen Bauer or somebody like that, um, Mm -hmm. who we'd heard of and was certainly an interesting interview and all that kind of stuff. But to have a Titan like De Palma was like, holy shit, what's this? Does this guy know who he's talking to? Like, or is he just like the nicest guy in the world or what? (laughs) Started to realize that yeah. you know, like we had like a a real show that uh, that people were going to come on and, and and do. So so catch our listeners up on what you've been up to because I I, I actually I want to promote what you've been up to um, because you have a great podcast with our mutual friend Mark. And tell, yeah, tell I us do about I that. do. Yeah, it's a, I do a movie podcast uh, called The Real Thing, R-E-E-L-T-H-I-N-G, on uh, More Like Radio. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit more of a kind of casual uh, movie talk podcast between Mark and myself. Um, no interviews, just talking, box office, movie trends, uh, all that kind of stuff, movie news. And, uh, you know, we just get together. It's it's pretty informal every couple of weeks. And uh, we'd love to have you on there, Jamie. Jerry, I want to come on. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm, I was so happy when I saw that a couple of months ago that you were back on the air. I mean, that made me yeah. really happy, Chris, because, I mean, yeah. it was just, I mean, really happy. Well, if you want to know uh, anytime you... The, the, the funniest, if you want to know the funniest conversations I've ever had in my life, it, it, it was sitting around with Mark and Chris and, and we had some other mutual friends and we would just laugh and laugh and laugh. And, and, and oh, yeah. the, the real thing feels like that. Uh, so that, that will give you a sense of that kind of community of film lovers here in my small town. But I, I think that same tone of conversation is echoed throughout the world, man, among other movie lovers. I mean, mm-hmm. the one thing yeah. that I've learned most from podcasting is that we are not alone. We have connected to so many people that say, oh, God, yeah, I do the same stuff. You know, it, it, that's been the most meaningful part of this for me, I think. It's a very intimate medium. It, it's maybe the most intimate medium you know, they mm-hmm. talk about different types of media being either hot or cold. TV is a cold medium. Uh, it, it's very, 
there's no connection between the viewer and the person that's making it. Radio is considered to be warm medium. I think podcasting is maybe the warmest, most intimate medium because it's just you and your earbuds listening to these other people talk. And when it's a subject mm-hmm. like movies that you're so into, that we are so into, uh, it, can be, it can be really, really intimate. I mean, you know, to the point where I need paper towels sometimes when I'm listening to movie geeks. That's how intimate it is. <laughs> well uh, I want to be on your show and I want you to come back on on some of our shows too and just because occasionally we'll bring on like a guest panelist and what better guest panelist than one of the originators of the actual show yeah I mean I would love I would love nothing more and I would love nothing more than for you to come do our show it would be a lot of fun oh of course no I would love to thank you for the invitation I I look forward to it definitely yeah, I got a question. Yeah. Uh, what uh, what is what is uh, what does Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> have to say about all of this? Oh shit! You know, I've I've been listening to the Movie Geeks United since you know since the inception ten years ago today. And I have to say, I'm very loud, very proud, <laughs> very happy to know that you've made it all this way. <laughs> 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 Well, okay, thanks, thanks, Arnold. We'll let you get on with your seizure. <laughs> God, I just cry every time he does short here. All right, buddy. Thank you, thank you, buddy. Uh, we we love hey, you. Guys. You know I love you. Yeah, man. I do. I love you. So you much, love man. you guys too. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You too, man. All right. See ya. Take care. All right. How fun. One of the originators. Yeah, that is fun. <laughs> okay, uh, so so let me. Uh, we mentioned De Palma. So De Palma was uh, our first uh, like legend, like one of the people, like a brass ring for us. And I think it happened within the first five or six months of the show. I it mean, happened, it happened in some some. It's October of that year or something. No, I think October or November. And I remember that Wednesday. Remember we did shows. Remember we used to do shows on Sunday and, and Wednesday. That. From the moment I got up, went to work, I was so nervous all day, mm. just stressed out, nervous, came home and had a couple of drinks. I was just so, just so goddamn nervous the whole day. I'm like, we're going to be interviewing De Palma. We're going to be interviewing De Palma. And like, then like stepping outside, going for a long walk, you know, like, <laughs> I was spacey. I was like, you thought I was going to give birth or something. I mean, I was just like, oh, well, from, God, we're going to From the very beginning, from the very beginning. We we were talking we were talking about our De Palma love and one of the first huh? you know after lunch we did a De Palma tribute uh, oh, gosh, where we yeah. brought that's in a right, lot of people right, yeah. and and William Cat was the one guest that didn't call in that stood us up so we filled that half hour of time just talking more about our De Palma love <clears throat> so the one thing it, the lesson to all the podcasters out there you have to have a passion if I have any expertise to offer you have to have a passion for what you're talking about a real passion and a, and a knowledge and 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 a need to know more about it um and then you have to go you have to be fearless in a way because I, I, from the very beginning i sent interview requests to everybody i didn't care how big they were because i i thought to myself i see the idiots that interview these people uh, I know we can do better than that. <laughs> oh, so definitely. I felt, I felt well within my right to send them an invite. 
So I didn't talk myself out of it and say, oh, it'll never happen. And lo and behold, it happened. And with the Palma, there are moments that I'll always remember, like the sensation of something, because I had tried for him, and the publicist said, no, he's not interested. And then a couple of days later, the publicist came back and said, um, Brian wants to do it. Uh, so, so can we, what time do you need him to call? And I remember opening that email. I mean, I was sitting at work. I opened the email, and I just said, holy shit, like I screamed. <laughs> and everybody was like, what's going on? And I told them, and it meant nothing to them, but um, <laughs> what happened was the Palma listened to our tribute show. He had already heard our tribute show. And 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 so he he said, oh no, I like these guys. I do want to talk to these guys because the publicist just said no flat out without checking with him. Mm. Um, so so and he was very gracious, and we, I think we made him laugh. Um, oh yeah, Gary, are you are, are you are you breathing on the in the phone? <laughs> yes, I'm breathing on the phone. Yes, I'm heavy breathing. I was saying you were a reincarnation, you know, a reenactment of high anxiety. <laughs> are you missing yes. weight yes. while you're watching while you're doing this show? <laughs> Are you riding no, no, a horse? No, I wish I was, but no, no, I'm not. No, I'm sorry. No, I had to walk. I was going downstairs. I'm sorry. I should have put the phone on mute. Forgive me. That's all right. That's all right, buddy. But I, I mean, I remember the sensation of getting that email. And Keith Ulick, uh, our good friend, the critic, he he writes uh, reviews occasionally for the Hollywood Reporter now. Um, oh wow! He came on. Going he came on, and he he said. Um, that he was at Cannes or he was somewhere at a Q&A with De Palma and De Palma recognized him from our tribute show. And he said, you were on that, you were on that movie geek, movie geeks thing. And Keith said, yes, I was. And De Palma said, William Cat never showed up for that, did he? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but he knew. It is a tremendous honor for the movie geeks to welcome to the show one of our greatest inspirations from the world of cinema, Mr. Brian De Palma. Mr. De Palma, hello. Thank you for that uh, illustrious introduction. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, uh, that feeling that you get before you're about to interview somebody, is, uh, it never changes, uh, particularly if it's somebody that you truly, absolutely respect. It just uh, yeah. it never changes. I mean, my um, I mean, I, I've been interviewing people since uh, you know, since college, uh, really, uh, and um, and you know, it, it's uh, it's it's obviously it's different, you know, uh, interviewing them face to face, but the nervousness is not different. Uh, There's right. still. Uh, uh, you know, when uh, I I can still remember the days when I was, uh, you know, uh, interviewing uh, Haskell Wexler for the show or um, Lalo Schifrin or uh, especially Mike Lee. That's the biggest one because he's my favorite film director. Mm -hmm. And I worked really hard to try and get that interview. Uh, We did. Uh, And um, uh, I still remember getting up in the morning because he's calling from London, so I, I think it was like eight o'clock for me, and uh, and just sitting there uh, waiting to record it, looking at the and it's just it's such a palpable uh, 
feeling of uh, excitement yeah. and nervousness, and it all comes from not not necessarily being nervous to talk to this person, but wanting it to go well. Hello. Uh, this is Mike Lee to talk to Dean Treadway. Hey. Hello, Mr. Lee. How are you? Are you Dean Treadway? I am indeed. Good. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, if you do all your research and stuff like that uh, properly, and and uh, and can come up with the right questions and give them the time to speak and so forth, uh, uh, and uh, let them feel free, uh, then uh, it, it goes. It usually goes pretty well. I mean, Haskell Wexler stayed on the phone. I thought it was only going to be a thirty-minute conversation, but he stayed on the phone for two hours talking about his career and. That's probably and that the was last. Like, that was likely the last one, the last interview he ever did, or yeah. you know, at the very least, the last one of any kind of substance, because uh, I mean, he passed on a few months later, right? Yes, yeah. So, uh, and uh, I mean, uh, he was in the process of editing something at the time uh, that we talked, and I think his son was in the room. They were working on something yeah. together, and uh, he was just incredibly generous. So. Uh, so we're lucky to to have that, and you know. Well, uh, uh, you know, I I I get nervous uh, before every interview, and we have a thousand over a thousand interviews in our archive at MovieGeeksUnited.net. I get anxiety before every single one, and I actually spoke about this to uh, Diane Cannon when I interviewed her last week. I said, you know, I'm crippled with anxiety before every interview, and I see you. And from the very beginning, you've been so like free and full of life in your performances, and I'm wondering, did that come naturally to you? Like, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, so, so I still battle with that stuff, but I find that it's only until the first question. Like, if I pop yeah. off the first question, and I, I'm satisfied that this person doesn't think I'm a complete idiot, then we're we're good from there. You know, <laughs> I I kind of settle down. Yeah. Well, we're going to be we're going to be talking about our favorite interviews. We're going to be talking more about Dean's Dean's entrance into the show and his favorite memories and and Jerry and my favorite memories. We have another special caller, another member of the Movie Geeks United family, and that is of course Adam. Hey, buddy. Oh, cool. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey. <laughs> well, I'm the baby of the family, I guess you would say. <laughs> That's true. How yeah, long you've been? You've been doing this show for how long now? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I've, I've been on. Uh, it'll be uh, three years next. Uh, actually, in June, so three years. So, wow! Um, already? Wow! Already? Yeah, wow! That I didn't know it would have been that long. Wow! Okay. It has. It has. It's Adam long. So Adam. So Adam, tell me when your when your consciousness of movie geeks first uh, began. How how that how how that started. Uh, well, that's uh, that was actually the first thing I wrote down when I was trying to get some notes together, and um, I was actually on the De Palma a la Mode site, and uh, which I I frequent, and you know as we're all De Palma fans, and there was a link to an interview that you guys conducted with Joe uh, Joe Eisenberg for his book on the making of Carrie. 
And so Ooh. I I I downloaded the whole show and uh I listened to it in my car and I thought, Wow, this is really good. This first of all I gotta get this book. I mean, that's the first thing which I did promptly. And uh it didn't disappoint. And then I said, Well these guys they're really knowledgeable. They sound like somebody I'd really like to get to know better or hang out with or because <laughs> their tastes seem to be right in line with mine. And uh, and so then, you know, the next thing I did was, of course, you guys referenced it, the De Palma series, and I uh, I immediately you know, located them and, and just uh, basically gorged on them within the space of a couple of days. <laughs> after oh, wow. Thank, and, thanks. I did not know that. Thank you. Um, okay. Yeah. It was. It was just. Look how I, much. Yeah. Look how much. Like it, it, De Palma accounts for a lot for our show. Yeah. I mean, I think I think De Palma gave us a lot of uh, early momentum, and yeah. and a big early fan fan base, and that would be solidified later with stuff like Kubrick and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. really was De Palma that first kind of made movie geeks movie geeks. I think. I, I mean, yeah. as. As an as an identity for worldwide listeners, where did yeah. let me ask this? Where did Francis Ford Coppola come into the scene? Because that was Wait, another um, biggie. That's a huge one. That comes in. I want to say when this Tetro is what two thousand and eight or two thousand and nine? Two thousand nine, I believe. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm talking to a good friend of mine, actually a good friend of mine. And I was talking to her on the phone, and Jamie sends a text that says, "We got Coppola." And I'm just like, holy shit! I mean, I'm like trying to, I mean, I'm trying to keep it hidden, and I'm just like, I was like, doll, we just got Francis Ford Coppola. She's like, well, great, you're gonna just shit bricks for the next the rest of the summer, aren't you? Um, I, you know, I got to share this story, Jerry. I got to share the story, and I'll tie it in with Coppola. But when I, when I found out we we're getting De Palma, I called you right away at home, and I said. Dude, we're getting to Palmy. He's going to be on next Wednesday night. Blah blah blah. And you're like, "Oh, that's cool, man. That's great news." Well, <laughs> because I couldn't believe it. I thought you were. Hang on, hang on. Let me finish the story. Let me finish the story. <laughs> and, and the conversation ended, and I was like, "Well, he didn't." The Palma's like an idol of his. He didn't seem very excited. And then you called back a little bit later, and you were like. Dude, this is massive. This is major. It's like it finally sunk in. Yeah, cause it's just like surreal. I mean, you get these calls, you think, oh, it's like you won the lottery or something, you know? It's like, oh, we're pulling your leg, you know? I mean, you know? <laughs> and, then, and then when Coppola called in, I remember it was like a Saturday. Yeah, uh, and Jerry and I. And it's funny if you hear if you hear before we pick up the phone, Jerry and I are like, ah. Oh, Oh, it's like we're breathing heavy and we're trying to gear ourselves up because we're so nervous. And then Coppola calls in, and the first thing he says is, "Yes, I had an appointment for ten thirty. And I said, and I so wanted to say, "Okay, sir, we'll just have a seat in the lobby, and the doctor will be right here." <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a great conversation. And it was so that relaxed. Was awesome. It was like. Jerry and I both were like, "Yeah, we belong here." And Jerry asked yeah. a great question about CGI and Apocalypse Now, and yeah, I just couldn't have been happier with that whole experience. It was wonderful. Oh, I know. If today you were going to make something like Apocalypse Now, would you still shoot on location, or would you give in more to doing a lot of it on the computer, a lot of more the effects and everything? 
Well, that's an interesting question because a lot of my thinking and, and my um, my conviction that the cinema was going to be electronic came from <laughs> sitting in the mud for hours upon hours waiting for the helicopters to arrive and being frustrated because you know the pilots of those helicopters were afraid of the explosions that were going on below, so they were usually you know, 10 feet higher than they were supposed to be. And any shot of Apocalypse Now where you see a lot of helicopters, you've got to realize that there were another 10 uh, higher than you could see because they were afraid to come down low. So there were many frustrations, and of course the impact of the of the economic, you know, the, 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 you know uh, the financial implications were so great that probably one wouldn't attempt a movie like that today uh, without, uh, uh, you know, benefiting greatly. Now, you know, the use of effects and, 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 and all the, uh, uh, the the bag of tricks that you have at your at your fingertips today doesn't have to be in-your-face effects that can be subtle and they can right. uh, they can be very convincing. Uh, but certainly in the days of war movies like Apocalypse or even Patton, before it, everything was done for real. I think the first time I saw the implication of what could be done in a new way of thinking was when Stanley Kubrick did Spartacus, and there's a famous sequence where the Roman legions are advancing, and a whole group of them advance and then stop, and then a whole other group of them advance and stop, and that wasn't done electronically. It was done you know, with optical printing, but it showed how you could manipulate um, a big crowd scenes in, in a way that would save, you know, a trillion extras, and, and, right, and, the, right. and, and the die was cast, I think, at at that moment. And uh, in answer to your question, you know, I don't know. Uh, deep down in my heart, I, I there are some films I'd love to make if it were possible to finance such a, a big production. Uh, and, and there's one story in particular that, a, bi- a biographical story that who knows when I'm 80 or 85 years old should I be lucky enough to live that long I would have to direct on a on a donkey in order to get up and down the hill to, <laughs> and uh, that one I think I would do without I would do without uh, the you know there is no movie made today that doesn't in some way benefit from digital effects even even when you don't see it or notice it it's uh it's yeah. just a, it's just a, it's just there and it's a servant right. and it's become cheaper and cheaper every day right. to use it. You know, 15 years ago it was a big deal to use a digital effect or or a compositing effect to take the sky out and remove the television antennas, but now it's really a, a modest cost and, and, and everyone is doing it. So, Adam, uh, what what are your you are now? Our official home entertainment correspondent. So, and and I gotta I gotta thank you because we get a lot of uh, emails uh, and we get a lot of listeners for those shows. I mean, people honestly love your contribution to the show, and and I find I love it because it it forces us to consider movies that we never would have thought of talking about <laughs> without without you bringing them up. It's wonderful. So uh, before we pick up the next call, uh, I mean, I want to know from you, what are your favorite movie geek uh, moments from the show? And maybe you've already articulated them with the De Palma stuff, but does anything else pop up to mind? 
No, there's a couple, uh, and, and I'll tell you, this is one that, that uh, before I came on, really made me feel a kinship with you guys. And, I mean, you know, we're, we're all friends now, and we, you know, message each other during the week and everything. But, you know, before I knew you guys in that way, uh, I remember when I was going back into the archives listening to some of the older shows, and I, I happened to listen to the one about Vicky Cristina Barcelona and Jamie's reaction oh. with, to that movie, and I had the exact same reaction. I sat there in that theater, and tears just flowed, and I wasn't sure why. <laughs> I wasn't sure why yeah. tears were flowing. And he you articulated it so well uh, for me, and it, and that was really kind of cathartic, actually, listening to that show. It's like uh, somebody else felt the same thing that I did that I thought I was crazy when I was watching this movie. Man, I started and, I started sobbing as I was talking yeah. about it. <laughs> same here, yeah. And I was like, because I just walked out of it, and it was so fresh <laughs> in my – and I still, I still have not revisited it because I want to – Hold on to that additional reaction I had of it, but yeah. you know, I we we had to be on the air talking about it an hour after I got out of it. So I just, you know, I got out of high school. I hung around all that artsy crowd. I was in, I was inspired by them and kind of fed off each other. It was such an exciting environment. I could have gone off to New York or Hollywood or what have you. And uh, I, my dreams could have come true, but I, part of it was too scared. Uh, a lot of it was I didn't want to leave my family behind. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's likewise. So, and you got that from watching this through the, the Scarlett Johansson character, Jamie. Yeah, it's in the whole you thing. Know, okay, this come, dude. It's cool. It's cool. I I'm with you here, so don't worry. That was a memorable moment for me too. <laughs> I felt like I felt like uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry was like my support group. It's okay, man. You get through this. Yeah, it's I all mean, right. I, 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 I had no problem with it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. And I, like I said, I just thought I was. I felt like um, Richard Dreyfuss in Close Encounters. I was feeling something, but nobody understood what I was going through. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm yeah. am I losing my grip on sanity here? <laughs> uh but yeah, two other moments though very quickly. And one is the, with the Alan Rickman, you know, um rest in peace. Uh but when he came on and he asked uh you to make him an honorary to a movie geek, that was just uh that still just resonates when I yeah. think about that. That's amazing. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that was very that was very touching. And the Paul Hirsch when you had him on for the De Palma thing, and and you were about to let him go, and you're gonna let him go. And it's like, oh, appreciate having you on. And and he says, oh, you know, you haven't even asked about John uh, Hughes. Uh, you're not gonna ask about that or Star Wars. And you're like, well, we could, I guess. We just didn't know you wanted to. <laughs> You know, I'm, so, he, I'm so like I'm so preoccupied with I, I I've already taken up half an hour of this guy's time and that's how much I told him so I better let him go but I guess yeah. he, he was into it so much he said no 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 we can go on but you asked me about planes trains and that kind of stuff so I was like oh of course I think that <laughs> happens quite often on this show I mean obviously it's happened to me but uh, I think I think when the guests come on the show they're uh, probably at least early on, they probably were not expecting a uh, an intelligent conversation. That uh, 
doesn't go for any kind of gotchas or anything like that, or uh, but is really just trying to understand the method of uh, the methodology and the work. And uh, I think I think they really respond to that and are willing to stay longer. I think that that's how. I mean, you know, I I even got the I got the impression that Greta Gerwig, you know, would have stayed on for you know another forty minutes, you know, because you know, I think she was yeah. a little surprised when I I I I had that same thing of like I've already taken up forty minutes of her time, I better let it go. But uh, I think she was a little surprised when I said, uh, you know, I'm going to wrap it up here, but. Uh, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think. I think people. You know, and, and the only the time, the only time, it, you know, it worked the opposite way for me just last week, <laughs> because I, I talked to Stuart Pankin because I'm putting together these anniversary series now, and Stuart Pankin was Michael Douglas's best friend in Fatal Attraction, and and Fatal Attraction uh, celebrates its 30th anniversary this year, so I want to put together a show on that. So it's not that he couldn't have talked a lot longer because I'm sure he was available because he said he enjoyed it, but it's that uh, I think my questions were a bit too analytical and, and his mind doesn't work like that. So, mm-hmm. so when, con- when considering the cultural impact of fatal attraction, he, he really wasn't on that vibe. So he just kind of stopped and, and said, you know, you're really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll never forget. I think that has something to do with him being a comedian because I felt the same thing going in uh, with uh, Jeff Garland, uh, who's by far yeah. my strangest, the strangest interview that I've ever given. <laughs> because I had never interviewed, and I didn't even consider it. I thought of him as a filmmaker and as a as an actor and so forth. Uh, and I, I knew that he was a comedian, but I. I didn't know that that was first and foremost in his mind. And I think that he, uh, so I wasn't prepared for the sort of <laughs> uh, improv odyssey that he kind of took me on. And uh, uh, I will be prepared next time I interview a comedian because I, ne- I realize now that I should have been in a different <laughs> frame of mind. <laughs> that, that was like – that interview was almost like performance art. It, it was very it, you could you could have been interviewing Andy Kaufman in a way. It was it was very unique. Okay, uh, Adam, yeah. do you do you want to stick with us? Or uh, it's Easter. I don't know if you have time to stick with us, but you're welcome to. Uh, well, actually, I had another commitment, so I'm probably going to have to to shuffle off. Um, but I, I do okay. appreciate you guys letting me come on and uh, share a couple of memories. And um, I'm just so proud to be a part of the family. What can I tell you? We're proud to have you as family, my friend. Yeah, we, definitely. We really are. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Okay. Got another caller. Let me just preface this with um, – I wrote something on on this guy's page last night, and I absolutely mean it. Uh, we were so fortunate. You know, we have great love for movie music on the show, and we have from the start. I mean, go to our Art of the Score series where we have interviews with dozens and dozens of film composers. We truly love the art form of film composition. Um, we brought in a composer near the beginning of our uh, of our venture here in Movie Geek yeah. United. And we immediately hit it off with him, and we asked, hey, do you think maybe you could work us up a theme for our show? And that theme 
gives our program an immediate identity. So as soon as right. that theme pops up, people know, yeah, I, I, I'm at Movie Geek Home. You know, I know where I am. This is a comfort. His music is beautiful, and he's composed stuff for our special series, like our Tinseltown Tragedies. If you want music that uh, will make you bite your nails and wet your pants, hey, he can do that too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and so with that, we're going to bring him on because I want I want him to share his memories of being involved in the show and uh, also to tell us a little bit about what he's got going on now because he's got some exciting projects on the horizon. Yes, he does. Michael McCormick. I got you on the line. Hey. Hey, guys. Hey, hey man. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a long time. It has. It's been, it's been too long. I've been you listening. Are our I'm, official, I'm loving the conversation. You're our, <laughs> you're our official show composer. How, do, yes. how does that feel? <laughs> that makes me very, very happy. Um, so you came I'm, on You came on in, 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 um, in connection to... Uh, the Jaws documentary, The Shark is Still Working, right? That was your first time That's on the right. show? That's Yes, it was, uh, it was, I think it was the day after Roy Scheider died. I think you're right. Oh. I think you are right. Um, I remember that. Um, wow. And uh, we were pretty emotional. And I was listening to Adam talking about your Vicky Christina Barcelona episode, which was one of my favorite uh episodes as well because but I but I was going to say don't feel too bad because I think I was the first guy to cry on Movie Geeks United because I was pretty upset because of Roy <laughs> yeah. oh of course I yeah mean, so but yeah because you've gotten a, to know him on that project pretty closely it was just it was basically working on something with it would be like you and Al Pacino you know doing something because I was uh, pretty, you know, Roy was my hero growing up. You know, I don't know how many times I watched him shoot Jaws and say, smile, you son of a bitch. And I'd have that cranked, and uh, my parents would complain. Um, but uh, but to actually work on something with him, and then with it going so well and it coming close to getting released, um, and then him dying, it was pretty pretty sad, but... We got to talk to you guys about it. You gave us a, a place to to give him some respect that he deserved, and, and it was great. William Freakin is probably one of my favorite interviews you've had. And in fact, on a lazy Sunday, if you ever get bored, you know, just pull up YouTube, and he's got so many lectures that you know he's done before movies. And I'll sit there and I'll just spend the whole day you know, just listening to him. He's he can just He's awesome. So, yeah, yeah he really I, I loved it when you when you when you got to talk to him. I was like, wow, you know, that's awesome. So, I'm curious. So tell Michael, me, well, well, yeah, go ahead. Can I, uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to know like exactly how you came up with the theme, or uh, you know, what what was your process uh, going through that because. Uh, I find it incredibly, uh, incredibly moving, and especially the um, the end theme too. Uh, uh, the way that goes, there's just something so uh, joyfully melancholy about it. I guess <laughs> I don't know how to how to put it, but the, your theme really puts me, <clears throat> helps me get into the show. You know, uh, 
So I'm I'm curious, like what what if you remember, you know, coming up with it? Yeah, I remember it pretty well. It's nice to get to finally talk to you, Dean. Um, oh yeah. Um, let's see. So, I guess I kind of picked up on. Uh, I think, like Adam was saying, you know, Movie Geeks United. There's a lot more to it than just, you know, what's what's so fashionable now. You know, geeks talking about you know Star Wars and stuff. You guys take it to the next level, and and one thing that I liked is the discussion was always more about, you know, the films of the 70s and just the great filmmakers. And I know Jamie, I caught, caught on with him that he loved Woody Allen. And um, I, I, I guess I just kind of thought about Siskel and Ebert. And I used to always love that theme. It was a hummable theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was memorable. And it it made me, made you happy. It made you want to watch movies. Um, I guess there's a little bit of melancholy in there, but... Uh, um, well, all the best movies are, have a have a have an air of melancholy about them anyway, in my opinion. Plus, we cry so, on well, the show. And, and that, yeah, that in theme, that in theme, I mean, it mirrors the kind of the melodic qualities of the opening theme, where the opening theme is this crescendoed its excitement, starting with the film projector, and then the melody comes in, and but the end theme is like. Echoes that, but at the, at the same time, it is more melancholy. Like people know, oh well, I guess my weekly dose of movie geeks is over. Post, it's like the post-sex. <laughs> it is. I was kind of thinking it was like kind of like green room music or, or lounge music. You know, it's like what Johnny yeah. Carson might yeah. play after a right. after a show, having some drinks with Ed. So I thought, so I had that first, actually, the end piece. And then I went back and re-recorded that melody with the, you know, the tighter opening that was more exciting. So mm. the end of it, the ending piece is just kind of a wind down, and then the the beginning is just, you know, to get us revved up and ready for the show. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, the, I, I, I like putting it, the the film, I like putting the film projector sound on there because you know we're 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 not doing this visually, so it's kind of like. Uh, you know, audibly letting everyone know, you know, this is a movie discussion show and here we go. Mm, yeah. And, so, uh, so tell me, t- speaking of brilliant music, you have two big projects coming up. One that you completed, I think like overnight, you did like a 24 hour session to complete <laughs> the music right. for one of these projects. Tell me about them. I had a, a self-imposed deadline for today for a, a documentary that uh, is about King Kong, which is uh, pretty exciting. And um, so I, I was up all night mastering, so if I sound scatterbrained, because I am, I, I actually haven't been asleep since, I don't know, sometime yesterday. So, mm. uh, But I'm just running off uh, good good energy right now. And then, um, so yes, there's a King Kong documentary, and I've scored that, and I just mastered the uh, audio on it and sent it off. And uh, and what is that called? What is that documentary called? It's called uh, Long Live the King. Long mm-hmm. Live the King. Um, and it's made by uh, a guy out in Los Angeles, uh, Frank Dietz mm-hmm. and uh, Trish Geiger. And uh, I think it's going to actually play in Los Angeles at some point. And they're already uh, 
going to a lot of film festivals. I guess if there's oh, any cool. big announcements, I'll let them do it. But uh, but there's a, there's one film festival in particular that, that's one of the bigger ones that this thing might play at. So I'm just going to wait and let them announce that. But I'm pretty excited about the possibilities for this one. Mm. And then um, through that, I, I got to meet this uh, interesting guy named Donald Glute, who happens to be like the foremost authority on Frankenstein and he's also he started out originally as an amateur filmmaker um, but he's most notably uh, recognized for writing the novelization of The Empire Strikes Back Um, I guess I better not riff on Star Wars too bad (laughs) but uh, uh, let's see here Uh, but uh, anyway uh, he's also written a lot of Frankenstein novels and comic books, Captain America, he's done all this stuff. So anyway, he's making like a, a hammer horror, um, traditional gothic throwback Frankenstein movie that he hopes to be the the ultimate Frankenstein film. And, uh, you know, he, we've been discussing and we, we made a deal this week and I'm excited about that. It's going to be, uh, you know, I, I love doing documentaries, but to get to do something, a feature-length film, that's a good step for me, and it's it's uh, kind of overdue for me, and I'm really excited about that. Wow. I agree. I mean, you you deserve all the success in the world and all the opportunities in the world, too, because you've been so giving with your talent. And, you know, these these filmmakers out there, I mean, they can their movies can benefit so much from your musical voice. I mean, my best buddy, uh, Rick, when he, when he made his movie – uh, a couple of years ago, he needed a film score. And uh, so he knew that I had the connects. So he was like, who would you recommend? I was like, oh, we got to go. We got to go to Mike. I mean, you know, so I, I approached you and he, he put that music to his film and it automatically came to life. He, he was so over the moon. He cannot stop talking about your contribution to the film. Anytime he goes out and shows it, or, t- or talks to an audience, or talks to his class, or introduces me anywhere. He's like, "Yeah, he knows Mike McCormick, the one that did the music." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is so thrilled. I mean, your your gift is amazing, my friend, and you deserve all the success. Well, Rick Rick Jansen's actually. I mean, he's he's got a really good eye with the camera. I really hope he'll make some more movies, and he's got me if he if he if he does. Um, and uh, I think he, I think he, I think there needs to be a movie with you in the lead role because I don't know if you've seen the movie guys, but uh, Jamie acted in Lampost Lane, um, and I thought it was awesome. I, I was, I, I was seriously like, this guy needs to be in some movies. So it's not like you don't well, have any goods. <laughs> thank you, buddy. We're, we're gonna, we talk about it all the time. We actually talked about it last week. Where we're develop, we keep developing this idea, and he says, "You're, I gotta have you as my star. You gotta start it." So, uh, we're we are working on it. So, back back to music. Uh, <laughs> so, tell tell our listeners, including any filmmakers out there that are working on their projects and want a great musical voice for them, um, where they where they go on the internet to look to look you up and find samples of your work. Well, they can go to uh, my website, michaelmccormackmusic.com. It's uh, McCormack with an A. Um, and uh, 
also, if they message me about interest in music, if they need a really good actor, um, I can hook them up with Jamie uh, Duvall. <laughs> um, I think I'm going okay. to get, I'm going to, I'm going to get some movies. <laughs> but, you know, you guys talk about, oh, you know, being really good at what I'm doing. I mean, you guys are awesome at what you do. And well, if you. I recall correctly, you were upset after viewing the, the Woody Allen movie we were discussing. Um, because you felt like, you know, you could have gone out west or, you know, there's some missed opportunity there. But have you mm-hmm. actually stepped back and looked at this body of work you've accumulated over the past decade? Have you actually been able to step back and see what you've accomplished? I mean, this is like free film school. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, that's a good point. That's I, a great uh, point, Michael. I mean, that's a really good point, uh, and thank you for saying that. Um, but I think we all, anyone out there listening, needs to share this show with anyone that likes movies, um, because I think the discussions that are had on here are much different from a lot of the movie, quote unquote, movie talk and movie reviews that I see being popularized on YouTube. Um, so while I say I like Star Wars or I'm riffing on Star Wars reviews, I mean, I like Star Wars. It's great, but there are other movies out there, you know. And I can go to Jamie and I can, you know, message him and say, you know, I just watched uh, Fellini's Eight and a Half. I want more like that. I want more like that opening scene where he's tied to the balloon floating around. That's me right now. I want yeah. more of that. And Jamie can give me a laundry list of movies to go and look at and I, I don't think that kind of discussion is, is, is prevalent enough out there. And you guys, you know, have really accomplished something with this show. I don't. I wish there was a way. Maybe we can make Rick Jensen do this. Is some way to bundle these shows into some kind of a, a package or a, a CD box set or something. I, I just. Yeah. I think you've really got something amazing with these shows, and I and I wish. I, I think a lot of people are listening, but I wish just more folks listened. And if you're out there listening, spread the word about these guys because they deserve it. Ten years, and yeah. you know, I don't think there's any better. I was I would listen. I was listening to this show before you had me on it, so that's pretty cool. Mm. I mean, to be involved with you guys just to open up and let me in, and, and you've had some amazing guests. You've gone to talk. I believe when we first got to know each other. I remember flipping out because you, uh, I think you talked to Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, yes. great. Uh, that was a great show, man. That was awesome. But I was oh, like, man. no, no, I'm not, but I I, I have Dolph Lundgren movies. I I watched Dolph Lundgren. I watched it all, but uh, but uh, I remember being so impressed. I'm like, wow. And I remember telling some friends, I'm like, that show I did that scene for, they've got Dolph Lundgren on the show, you know? And, uh, all right, Dolph. You have to come back to our show when we have a when we have a full half hour with you. This is just the the conversation's been too great, and we'd we'd love to have you back Thanks. on sometime in the future. Uh, I love uh, I love uh, to come back. It's been fun. I appreciate it. Good questions and a great format you guys have. Next thing I know, you know, you've got. Uh, I think the, I think from there, at that point, then you went to like Jeff Goldblum, and I was just yeah. I was really freaking out then. <laughs> I'd listen to these shows when I was at work, and then like, and then my my theme would play, and I'm like, Jeff, Jeff, uh, 
Goldblum just heard my my theme. Um, <laughs> and then you're yeah. talking to Paul Schrader, and then you're and then next time James Cameron, I believe. Um, I mean, you've talked to Owen Freakin, who's just one of my favorite directors. But like, you've talked to just about everyone except Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. You really have to that's hit that home, don't you? you have to... <laughs> that's really that's really all that's left for me at this stage. I was like, you know, as soon as I get him, I I can die. I mean, that, that's oh, it. shut that's up! It. Oh God! Oh my God! <laughs> I, I got to tell you that uh, I mean, we love you, and and your contribution to our show means so much to us, um, and we don't get to express it as much as as much as we should. Um, because you know you you contributed to the show, and we play your contribution every single time we do a show, and yet mm-hmm. you know you're you're not like a constant guest on the show, so we rarely yeah, you get never to invite, express you how never, much. You hardly ever invite me on. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we want to express to you how much we love you and how much we appreciate your great talent and generosity, man. Absolutely. Well, well, thanks to all you guys, and just keep up the good fight and the good conversations. And uh, you know, I'll see you hopefully before another ten years. Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hope maybe. definitely. Long before that, I hope. Yes. Maybe we can talk about Frank, your next uh, project. Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about Frankenstein and King Kong when those two projects come out. You will be on our show for both of them. Yeah, okay? definitely. Promise me that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, bye, guys. I'm going to go to sleep. Hi. <laughs> All right. That was Michael McCormack. Before we call our final person, Dean, I want to talk about your membership into the Movie Geeks United family, where you've become, uh, you know, a part of our DNA. Um, and you you first called in as a listener, and and your presence on the show was kind of so uh, informative for people and instructive and entertaining that you eventually became a part of our regular family. So, so tell me what that original impetus was that said, I want to be part of this and what you wanted to bring to the, the level of conversation on the show. Well, I mean, uh, again, you know, the with call, the first night that I called in, I remember it was a rainy Sunday, and I was in my apartment in Brooklyn. And, um, of course, my phone doesn't work in the apartment, but I still have the Internet. And uh, I, um, uh, I simply uh, started thinking about, you know, how – much I had always wanted to do a radio show devoted to movies, but of course radio doesn't work that way, and there's there's not much like I don't think there's anything like this show on uh, over the air radio, uh, and uh, so of course I'd heard about podcasts, and I I just said movie talk movie pod movie related podcasts put it into Google. And it really took me right to Movie Geeks United. I didn't listen to any other podcast before this. This was the one, and I uh, listened to it for a little while. Uh, uh, listened to you guys talk, and uh, and in it, probably an interview. And I said, "This is pretty good. Is this going on? This this is going online. I can call in." So I took my phone down uh, down to the street to call in. 
And, uh, uh, you know, it was such a breezy kind of thing. And I think that I was kind of chomping at the bit to talk about movies with people who were uh, who were knowledgeable about them. And I knew that you two guys immediately were, were uh, that knowledgeable. And so, so I felt rather free to be able to speak about movies and, and, and any kinds of movies. Uh, in uh, in you know in my own manner, so uh, but uh, you know I mean <clears throat> I uh, uh, you know I was I I suffer from depression you know uh, which you know people will know uh, who listen to this show, and so it's a it's a daily struggle and I was definitely struggling that day, but it made me feel so great to call into the show that I was determined to do it the next week and the next week and the next week. Because I saw that you didn't get very substantive calls. And, uh, and uh, I, I, how, you, I, how, how did you know? Man, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, you know, uh, sort of underline the fact that, you know, there can, there can be something good coming out of having live calls. Uh, but uh, I didn't really... <clears throat> think that I was going to be, you know, uh, part of the show except as a caller until I asked you, if, uh, since I was living in New York, if I could go and uh, cover the New York Film Festival uh, as a uh, correspondent. And I think that's that's where things changed uh uh, maybe in your 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 collective perception of me, but uh, also just. Uh, uh, my perception of my involvement in the show, uh, knowing that now I could possibly do interview, go back to doing interviews, which of course I had done in college, many of them. Uh, but uh, it had been a long time since I'd done interviews. I'd done a live TV movie review show in uh, Atlanta for four years, uh, not, uh, very little of which actually survives. Uh, I have one episode of it that uh, I'm going to get digitized, and uh, we'll put it on the uh, Movie Geeks United uh, YouTube page, along with some other things that I did. That's uh, that's the new thing that I'm working on is getting all of my old uh, public access stuff. Not not all of it. If I do all of it, it'd be you know out many many hours. But uh, I have probably about six hours of material from uh, my uh, early 2000 uh, uh, era uh, public access stuff that's eventually going to appear on the Movie Geek site. Uh, but, um, so, I, you know, I, it's, uh, I just, it was something that immediately made me feel good about myself. I felt, uh, I felt that I was contributing something, uh, you know, and I was actually work. I feel like uh, talking about movies is is really something that I'm I'm a good I'm a very good writer I think, but uh, I I find writing more and more difficult in some ways. Uh, and uh, so talking about them is is not only uh, maybe maybe a little bit more effective. But also, uh, also is more therapeutic for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know. So. Well, you know, when when you when you went out and started covering the festival and and your contribution to the show be, began to become really apparent. Uh, I mean, I I spoke to Jerry and I was like, you know, 
maybe he can should be a regular. I mean, he should be because there's something about three, like the power of three. Because yeah. if, if, oh, it was no, just, if it was just Jer- Jerry and I, which Jerry and I in the early days did a lot of shows, just the two of us. Uh, and this was when we used to do shows live, and poor Jerry would have to sit through every single pre-recorded interview. <laughs> I remember that. I always that felt so terrible. That was a, I, it's so weird, I always felt yeah, so terrible. terrible. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, but, you know, the show. power of three, because if it's just Jerry and I, it it could become just like an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. And so by by having you enter the fold, you weren't afraid to to challenge our perceptions of certain films. And the thing that I'm most thankful for, i got to say uh, – I guess I should save this for the end, but I'll do the touchy-feely thing right now. Um, the thing that I'm most thankful for from you and Jerry <clears throat> is that, you know, I've got passion for days about movies, but I am not nearly as knowledgeable about them as the two of you are. So you both elevate me personally and my abilities in in an immeasurable amount. Uh, because I'm talking to two uh, encyclopedias of film. And what other show has that? I mean, we are so unique in that respect. And I know some people tune in and they hear us talking uh, uh, very deeply about movies. And some of them tune out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but, but very many others stay because of that. Because mm-hmm. they long... They long for the tussle back and forth about the artistic uh, merits of a film, why they ex- chose to express it this way, how it might have better been expressed, what it says about us, what it says about the, the film culture and where it stands in the history of, of film culture. I mm-hmm. mean, these are conversations that all three of us have been dying to share. And I think it's kind of fate that the three of us found one another and gave that. To right. Each other. Absolutely. Absolutely, I agree completely. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's uh, it's been a me- uh, you know uh, so uh, such a measurable um, help to me personally to be involved in the show because um, when I have a concern about movies, uh, I uh, or what's going on with them, or I have a um, a particular movie that I love. Uh, uh, that I don't feel like anybody has seen. I have an outlet for that now, and I can yeah. I can actually help that movie. Uh, and I, I you know as negative as I can be on the show sometimes <clears throat> about some things. Uh, I uh, I really prefer to be positive. I mean, uh, on my website, Filmicability, uh almost you know ninety eight percent of that is uh, positivity. And I want to talk positively about the movies I love, uh, and I do, I do kind of want to ignore the ones that I don't love. And uh, mm-hmm. but the, the show also makes me face those, and uh, and comes, uh, you know, my thoughts don't have to like roll around in my brain with no uh, with no real outlet. I mean, a lot of things that I talk about, we talk about on the show are things that I probably wouldn't be able to articulate on the page, uh, uh, at least, you know, not without a few drinks. But uh, <laughs> That know. always helps. That always helps, by the way. It's a great, yes. great lubricant in, in, in that regard. Um, 
Um, well, you know, I agree with you. Say it is a great outlet. There's no doubt about it. Um, the show has always been a great outlet. I mean, if there's ever been one thing I, that I've been disappointed with in the show is that it ends and you go to work the next day, Monday <laughs> morning. And I don't mean that for season. I mean, I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I mean, it really is. When you get into work, I'm not work. When you go in the car, and even the job that I have now, which is kind of decent, I got to tell you, it's a buzzkill. It is yeah. like powers doing all this on Sunday night, and then, um, oh wow, I got to go back to work. You know, oh damn. Um, <laughs> you know, that's always been my major. If I have a complaint about the show, that's the complaint. Yeah. That it ends and you go back to reality. That was always in the early days, the first couple of years. That was actually my major hang-up with the show, is that you couldn't keep, it's like a gym high or whatever kind of high, you couldn't keep it going. It was automatically just destroyed the next day. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So that's always... You know what's, int- what's amazing, though? I, I mean, I I love the process of creating. And so yeah. when we take a step back and we look, we have created something from the ground up. Uh uh, like Mike just said it earlier, like a film school, a, po- a podcast that doubles as a film school. In some respects, that's that's true because we we delve into different disciplines, we discuss craft. You know, one of the great compliments that we've ever received was from Joel Valley, who's a really good filmmaker, and we brought him on for the first film that he did. And he said, "Man, I was listening to you guys every day while shooting my first movie." Because it was almost like receiving a pep talk and, and an education at the same time. I mean, he said that he tuned into us the first time when we interviewed the, the cinematographer for Texas Chainsaw. And he was talking about how he got that famous Dolly uh, shot from that movie. And he said, I've never heard that in a podcast. It's, it, it is like film school. And it, it gave me enough inspiration to you know, shoot my movie every day. I mean, that's meaningful stuff and we we hear that quite a bit from from listeners mm-hmm. and that's wonderful um, that is before i make really our, our last phone call i have a couple of memories uh that i don't share on the show very often and some maybe i haven't shared some of them but i want to hear jerry from you first like what are the what are the best memories like the most magical moments from this 10 years for you okay like the first one i think that actually like i like a lot um, and it took me forever to find the show, going back to the archives, you know. I did this like a year or two ago. We did this show um, at the like, summer of 2009, like our favorite movies from each year for the last 20 years. Uh-huh. And it's a show I bought like immediately out of the gate because I went back a couple of years. You know, I, I was already like botched it immediately. I mean, like right out of the gate, I was like, I ruined this. I was like, great, I ruined the whole goddamn exercise. <laughs> but we did it, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was the most fun that we had had because we were live um, still, mm. and it was incredible. Um, the other shows, obviously, the Palma and the Coppola show. The other interview I really love is the Paul Schrader interview. Um, the James Cameron interview, which I was so nervous about because he's like, you know, had a reputation at the time for being so mean. This is for like, and it's about Avatar, I think, coming out on home video. And yeah. he couldn't have been nicer. I mean, he was just so pleasant. It was unbelievable. Um, and the other one was Joan Rivers. That's a good one. That's, and you know, you expect Joan Rivers, you know, you hear all this stuff. She couldn't have been sweeter. Um, 
first and foremost, you say that you considered yourself uh, an actress. That's that's yeah. the one thing you prize most. Uh, and that's about the one thing. Career. Don't touch me with. Yeah, that's the one. That's my Achilles heel. Yes. Yeah. Is is um, was a movie career uh, a big part of that for you? And and uh, is that a, re- a regret that you haven't had more? A regret. Of a-, a regret. I want to commit suicide every time I see Meryl Streep, that bitch, doing something I could do better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, I love the honesty. I love that. That's wonderful. You should have seen what I would have done to Precious. I could have been, I would have made you sob. <laughs> <laughs> I love it already. I wish I had seen that version instead. Joan Rivers is Precious. Put him in the end. <laughs> We would have all these these roundtable discussions with you, Dean, and with Chris, and with we can't forget Aaron Aradias. I mean, those shows are just <laughs> those shows are just classic. <laughs> oh my! I have to admit, I I uh, love uh, when Aaron comes on because I get to sort of gently spar with him a little bit, which is oh my God, which is geez. fun. If, we have, if those are live in a studio. We were, our insurance would be jacked up for that for that stage. I mean, oh my God! But those are good. But you know, I you know, it's been look. This show for me was always it had to come about. Um, it just had to. There had to be an outlet because it was killing me. It's so funny. I didn't even realize this until a couple of years ago. The anniversary of this show. When we do this show in 2007 on April 15th, um, I come, I'm back home from Los Angeles exactly four years ago. Mm-hmm. Miserable, uh, just lost and dazed and confused. All the horrible, like, um, you know, adjectives you want to use. And I'm just a mess for the, ne- the next couple, like the next um, couple of months or whatever. But I mean, yeah, it's been the perfect antidote to that. I mean, it's something. It is It is like, you know, Michael McCormick said it perfectly. We have created something here. Awesome. No one can take that away from us. Um, mm. We have really made a, a significant contribution. Now, I, will, I won't lie to you. It's hard to explain to people what we do. I don't know if you guys have had that problem. It is hard to explain, and even in this day and age, what a podcast is. I share Chris's concerns and trials and tribulations. You try to explain to people that you work with. I guess we want to call them civilians, if that's the appropriate term. Um, it's hard because they look at you like, oh, that's nice. Do you make any money from it? Oh, you don't? Okay, whatever. You know, yeah. you know, you get that, you know. So that's, that's always been like a concern. Um, not the money part, just trying to explain it to people, though, and it is hard. Um, but no, this yeah. has been just a great ride so so far, and it's nowhere near. Well, it's not best, even the, near over. The best thing about it too is that it's always there. People will constantly catch on to us. Like we're constantly getting emails and stuff from people that just discover us for the first time and they have a whole 10 years of back catalog to, to review. Mm-hmm. So the new, new people just coming on, it's like a feast for a lot of them. And then we have a lot of people that are just recognizing us from YouTube and they might not even be, um, if they don't read the description, they might not even be aware that we actually do a live, do a podcast. 
uh, that it comes connected to some kind of podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just know us as the YouTube guys, but it's given us all, another audience altogether. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Dean, uh, I mean, you've talked about a couple of your higher profile interviews, but what other kind of memories come to mind that stand out for you? Uh, well, what am I? Uh, well, of course, I always, I always dig our top ten. Uh, mm-hmm. show at the end of the year. I think that's the show that you that everybody needs to listen to. If they're only going to listen to one a year, that would be the one. Uh, you know, I, I I find myself watching movies throughout the year, you know, now, uh, you know, visualizing that show and, and visualizing... Oh, God, you, tell me about it. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it really helps frame my... Uh, you know my view of what's happening in the uh in the industry at a particularly given year but uh those shows are amazing i i love the top 10 directors trilogy that we did mm-hmm. uh that was yeah. wonderful i think that's epic and uh and really uh something else that that people should go back and take a listen to it's three it's three episodes so it's six hours but uh uh, you know, we're covering, you know, where there's a little overlap there, but 30, you know, 30 directors with probably about 25. But uh, uh, it, that's a that's a very memorable moment for me. Uh, Interview-wise, not just my interviews, but, uh, you know, certainly William Friedkin, uh, the, uh, Ileana Douglas, I thought, was a really, yeah, really terrific great. one. Yeah. Uh, I'll always uh, M. at Walsh somehow out <laughs> <laughs> in my mind as, as a very unique uh, moment in oh, the God, show. Oh God, that was uh, so difficult to get to. That was so difficult to get because the you know he's up there in age and he's like they're like what is this? What do you want? But I was relentless in trying to get M. at Walsh, so he wanted me to call him to remind him five minutes before the show. And within the first 30 seconds of being on the phone with him, he calls me an asshole. But you wouldn't want it any other way, really. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, you know, certainly the Barry Manilow, I find that very moving simply because, you know, he's one of your idols and uh, and yeah. uh, it's always interesting hearing uh, somebody uh, who's incredibly knowledgeable about a person's career Talking to to that person, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. You know, it's it's nuts. I mean, uh, again, you know, I go back to you know the Mike Lee thing, and you know, I only had twenty five minutes with him, uh, so I couldn't talk about his whole career, but uh, I certainly could have. Uh, but um, you know, with yours, uh, with uh, Barry Manilow. Uh, uh, you know that's that's a very uh, wide ranging conversation there, and uh, and just one of the best things. Well, I, mean, I gotta say, I gotta say, you're, you're, I gotta say about your interviews, um, you, uh, I mean, uh, I I've only done a couple of really long form interviews, <clears throat> and you've done you've done a couple for us as well. And you hit a groove with them uh, when you talk to people like Lalo Schifrin, um, where it just – it's so conversational, and it feels like you're sitting in the living room just observing this conversation happening. And anytime I'm, like, editing those interviews and you're really hitting it out of the park, I'm, I'm like, so thrilled beyond measure. 
And mm-hmm. I'm so proud of and proud to have a platform where you're able to, you know, express this tremendous lo- love and knowledge that you have. And I, that's the difference. I mean, when you're on the phone with Mike Lee, um, I mean, there's a difference between being a, a sycophant, uh, which I, I fall into that trap sometimes. I'm like, oh, God, I love you. You're great. You're great. But then if there's a difference between that and, and what you end up doing with these people where you know they're like, God, this guy really knows my work. Like he genuinely appreciates my work. And how often does a master like Mike Lee actually face somebody that truly knows his work inside out? And and you you know that they appreciate the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. And so I can't thank you enough for the great work that you do for us. Um, I'm I, I'm always happy to do it. You know, it's funny with Mike Lee. I I get the impression that he's a person who's maybe embarrassed about any kind of praise. Uh, um, uh, he's he's rather cantankerous uh, 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 and very impatient with someone who he feels hasn't done their homework. But uh, yeah. he didn't have to be impatient with me, <laughs> so so that was right. good. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean uh, that, that's the whole thing is trying to get a trying to get a rapport with them, and uh, I mean you and know John, too. with Haskell you know, too, man. Yeah, I mean you know that was great. But uh, John Hurd, you know, was one that uh, mm-hmm. I remember. You know, just uh, him. Him being very down on his career and uh, uh, where his career has gone, and uh, and I had to tell him, well, we all love you, and and you're part of you're part of uh, your film history to me. I mean, and uh, but I, I did feel like I was kind of talking him off the ledge a little bit. <laughs> you really were. Because I, I, I remember putting that I remember putting that interview together, and I I contacted you afterwards, and I was like, man, it feels like therapy. Uh, this this conversation it really did and it was completely unexpected but it went it went there where he talked yeah. about how he feels like a failure because uh-huh. all people really know him from is home alone or whatever he, he questioned his contribution and that's why i was so thankful for you someone that could tell him no what about all these great what about cutter's <laughs> way which you're on the show to talk i mean you've contributed so much meaningful stuff yeah uh, thanks it's been it's been a thrill, you know. Um, I I have other memories. I mean, the the of course the Kubrick series and Tinseltown tragedies are just uh, amazing works of uh, amazing works of uh, radio collage. I'd say uh, that are uh, you know incredibly incredibly uh, invaluable. Uh, um, certainly, you know, covering the the film festivals in Massachusetts and in Atlanta and. And of course, New York, uh, particularly that last New York thing in 2014, covering uh, you know the inherent vice thing, and that just <laughs> that whole experience just shook me. You know, it's 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 very unusual for a uh, for a <clears throat> a uh, reporter in the audience to. Uh, Say say something that makes the entire this very jaded audience, you know, stand stand up and and, and cheer, you know, because they uh, they were very uh, not only the cast of the movie on the stage, you know, applauding my uh, question to Martin Short and so forth, but that was just something that that had never happened to me before. So that 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 will stick with me forever. Uh, I love the soundtrack trivia. 
contest, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those, mm-hmm. I, think, I think we should do more shows like that. And, of course, Jamie, you and I have talked about, you know, maybe doing more music-related shows in the future, you know, that may, maybe are just all music with, you know, us cutting in to talk about them and so forth. But, um, but I think we should do more of those and, uh, and I was happy to, I was happy to, you know, even though the author went Tori, I guess he was, who was he on with? He was on with uh, another composer and they were, they were, um, they were competing. Uh, but, uh, then I got to do a little mini round with Austin and I, and I won, (laughs) which I was really (laughs) shocked by, (laughs) extremely shocked by. So I'll, I'll, it was amazing. I'll always... Some of those composers, some of those composers did not know any of them. <laughs> they were like, yeah, oh, it, was... it sounds like, and everything sounded like Jerry Goldsmith to one guy. Yeah, I remember... yeah, yeah. I, I remember like, that. I remember, I remember saying you get that. This right. If you if you keep saying Goldsmith, eventually it'll be right. Um, all right. But... Before I make my last our last phone call, I gotta say, a lot of a lot of my memories uh, also come from just preparing the show. So stuff our audience isn't privy to. So I'll, I'll just tell a couple of quick uh, anecdotes. So we get Jeff Goldblum for the Paul Schrader tribute. He wants to do it. He's in London doing uh, Speed the Plow, a play with Kevin Spacey, a mammoth play. So he's in a different time zone, which I, I'm familiar with that generally. The publicist gives me the wrong time zone um, uh, estimate, because the time time zone had just changed. I mean, the, the time had just changed, like the week previous. So I, I ended up waiting on the phone an hour early for Goldblum, and eventually I was like, well, I guess he's not calling in. So I emailed the publicist later on uh, that day and said, I stood on the line for like 45 minutes, but he never called in. And the publicist says, Jeff Goldblum, is, he's pissed off. Uh, because uh, he called the time that he agreed to call, and you weren't there. And he had the he had the the guy at the front desk, come, uh, you know, over and over again trying to patch his line through, and you weren't there. And he's upset. And I I was stricken with panic. I was like, oh my god, I've I've pissed off Brundlefly. And <laughs> I remember I was I was on my couch. I was taking a nap after work, and my cell phone rings. And sleepily I pick up my cell phone. And I was like, hello, and, and I hear this voice that says, Jamie, Jeff Goldblum here. What happened today? <laughs> and here I am, like, I'm half asleep, and I'm like, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, you know, I was stuttering all over the place. So we just rescheduled for the next morning, and it couldn't have been sweeter. Um, and then, you know, the Brett Ratner thing was interesting when he came on for the Polanski tribute. Yeah. And uh, Polanski was arrested the very next day. After Brett Ratner told us, yeah, making another documentary about his wrongful uh, uh, the the arrest warrant out for him, the outstanding warrant, and how wrong that is, um, and so that got us, you know, international recognition because yes, it that is. quote was carried in Page Six, and then MTV, and then Entertainment Weekly, and the the New York Times, and it, Wall Street Journal. It was everywhere, and Movie Geeks was right there in all those articles. Uh, and another thing that came from Brett Ratner, <clears throat> all my memories have to do with Brett Ratner. <laughs> so we we interviewed Ju- uh, Judge Reinhold, and we asked him about another Beverly Hills cop. And he says, yes, I've heard rumors, 
and I've heard that Brett Ratner wants to do another one, but he hasn't approached me. I was like, really? That's so odd. So, you know, come like a year or whatever it was later when we talked to Brett Ratner, we asked him about it. We're like, we know you're planning on doing another Beverly Hills Cop, which that project's now dead, I guess. But yeah. we asked him, you know, Judge Reinhold says he wants to be a part of it, but you haven't contacted him. <laughs> and Brett Ratner <laughs> says, uh, no, I have tried. I haven't been able to get in touch with him. And he said, uh, you know, let him know that I'm definitely interested and have him send me his number or whatever. And so I found myself in a unique position of trying to set up a job for Judge Reinhold. So <laughs> I, I emailed Judge Reinhold and I'm like, uh, you know, this is what's going on. And uh, I'm I'm going to send him the sound clip of you saying that you want to be a part of the movie, but he hasn't called and because uh, he asked for it. And Judge Reinhold says, oh, let me listen to the clip first. I want to make sure there's nothing objectionable in it before you send it. And, and we go back and forth. And it was, honestly, it was the weirdest thing because I'm sitting at work at my health care job. And I'm like, hang on. I'm trying to, I'm trying to book a gig for Judge Reinhold. <laughs> it was the oddest thing. Memories like that, which just putting the show together were so fun. Okay, let me call. I gotta dial this. I gotta punch this number in. Hang on. It's not like Tarantino or anything, so don't freak out. <laughs> it's, it must be. Uh, I think I know who it is. Maybe I don't know who it is. I don't know. Hopefully, this person will answer the phone. Hello. Hey, Aaron. Hey. Hey, Aaron. How hey, Aaron, what's up? Hey, happy Easter, guys. <laughs> happy, Easter. happy Easter to you. Okay, so this is the last the last piece of the Moving Geeks Jigsaw puzzle right here. Uh, Aaron has been with us from, I mean, the early, early, early days and contributed a lot, and he still comes out every year to talk about, um, you know, the summer, our summer series, and he joins us for that. And those are always great fun, yeah. talking about all those awful movies. Uh, so, so Aaron, first of all, I mean, I want to ask you how your consciousness of our show got started. And this is weird because I talk to Aaron every single night. We're like, we're like crazy best buds. So, uh, I'm going to try to be professional interviewing you now. Okay. Uh, uh, I I was thinking about this the other day when you told me you're going to do this. I was trying to remember. Okay, how did I first? How did Movie Geek United come on my radar? And it took me a minute, but then I remembered. Um, I was a contributor. I would write pieces for the house next door, and I remember there was a piece on there about De Palma's Redacted that uh, contributor Keith Ulick wrote. Uh, he wrote something about Redacted, and on there was a link to his appearance on Movie Geeks United talking about uh, redacted, I think specifically De Palma, but redacted and specifically. And I remember I clicked on that and I listened to it, and it was it was a pretty good conversation. And um, so um, I had done, and so I really liked the conversation. I really liked, and I said I listened to a couple other shows. I really liked what I heard, and I had done on my own. I had done these series of interviews with movie critics over the past couple of years for the website rockcritics.com. And so I sent the link to my interviews to Jamie, 
uh, saying, hey, names are not ideas, just discovered your show, really liked the podcast. Uh, probably, I don't know if you know about these things, but I've, I've interviewed some movie critics uh, in depth, and these are kind of the, these were the, the, and for a lot of the critics that I interviewed, these were the first truly in-depth interviews with movie critics. They, these weren't, interviews weren't a lot of these type weren't being done. Now they're kind of par forma, but uh, I had done some of the first ones. And so I said, hey, check them out, see what you think. And a few days later, I got an email back from Jamie saying, hey, these were great. How would you like to come on the show and talk about them? And so that was my first introduction. And then we just, uh, after that, we talked offline. And, and uh, I came up with a suggestion, I believe, like, hey, why don't I contribute uh, home video commentary? And so I did that for a little bit, and we got into that, and that opened up uh, more interview possibilities and and more discussions, and then I spun that off into my podcast for about two years, uh, Back by Midnight. So, yeah, that was the whole, the lineage. Yeah, and and you, you're, you're, you are unique, you and Chris, in that you've actually met me in person. You've actually... Oh, yeah. You've actually slept in my house, and and been the passenger in my car, and yeah. we've attended a film festival together. Yeah, that, I mean, that was, was a great, 09, that was a great week. Yeah, it was oh yeah. nine. I went to the the two thousand nine Sarasota Film Festival uh, is when I went, and uh, actually, and then uh, uh, bring it full circle. We actually met up with uh, Keith. Keith was there also. So uh, somewhere we had dinner with Keith Hulick at that festival also. So yeah, so it was all full, uh, full circle uh, around that time. So it was like a year and a half later, yeah. So I swung by and uh, yeah, and uh, Jamie keeps a very uh, tidy uh, home. So, so <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, everybody, you know, I, you know, I love you. I mean, I think of the <laughs> blessings that come from the show and. Um, and you're definitely uh, right at the top because it was just a chance kind of thing where you wrote us, and I still have that email. Hey, I've interviewed all these critics. Uh, g- give it a look. And I looked at it, and I was oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. And, and then we started talking on the phone outside of the show, and we built a really close relationship. And, and honestly, Aaron and I talk m- most nights. Uh, we, yeah. will, we will have a conversation. He's had this is probably the most the healthiest sustained relationship uh, Jamie has had. Uh, <laughs> and I thank you for that. Uh, okay, so uh, we're, we're we're okay. So Aaron, we're gonna do our summer of what are we up to? Ninety two now. Yes, we. St- this is almost uh, going to be our ninth year because we. I remember the first one we did, and the first one was kind of a. Bare bones, if I remember correctly. We we didn't even. I don't think we did that many interviews. Uh, we just had this kind of random discussion, and that was for uh, eighty three summer eighty three. Uh, and that was yeah her summer eighty three, and that was in uh, two thousand eight. Uh, I remember we had Glenn Kenny on one. Yeah, show. yeah, that that's right. We had to, that was classic. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes, we had Glenn Kenny on talking about and. Uh, Glenn regaled us with the the uh, the virtues of strange brew. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
so yeah, so, good, so we got to word up to Glenn. Uh, God love him. Uh, so yeah, and then it just kind of grew and grew. We made it into like this series, and uh, I did a couple of. Uh, I would do my thing on the home video, uh, and kind of do a co-sponsor. And then I think it was the it was the following year, in eighty the eighty four one that we brought in the house next door, and they started doing uh, written pieces uh, for on their site in conjunction with Movie Geeks United. And they would post links to our shows, and then they would write you know specific uh, articles to the movies of twenty five years ago. I I did send the list out to the couple of the writers that still do. I didn't do. Uh, for this year, so we'll see if we get the think pieces on uh, everything from, um, you know, Bebe's Kids to Lethal Weapon 2. Bebe's uh, <laughs> Kids. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's some good shit. Good stuff yeah. coming around the bed. And another great uh, show that that Aaron, uh, Aaron contributed heavily to, including the idea for it, was the 10th anniversary of the DVD format. Uh, we, I mean, that, that ages us right there. I mean, uh, it wasn't Betamax. It wasn't quite that bad. But uh, <laughs> the DVD format, where we had a, a producer from Criterion on. Yeah, Betamax. I remember right. that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, now, I mean, that was back when the DVD, that was, and uh, weirdly enough, that was probably the, right when the DVD bubble uh, was popping and giving way to, Blu-ray, but what was really given away the, you know, what we probably couldn't have foreseen was really streaming was going to take over everything. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, streaming has yeah. taken over the, the hardware. And uh, for well, better and for I, I got I to gotta give credit, too, because I do steal from you uh, mm-hmm. still, because every time we do our anniversary series, um, every year, I, I asked your. I don't know if I asked. I think I asked your permission after I did it. I, I would huh. I would thumb through thumb through your archives and say, Oh God, he talked about this movie, and he had people from this movie. He actually had the writers of Howard the Duck. So I I, I, I got to steal this and air it because it's the 25th anniversary of that or whatever. So uh, so you still contribute uh, more regularly than just the summer series, and right. people hear you all year because of that anniversary mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. So thank you, thank no, you for letting me steal from you. No, you know, got to keep uh, passing on the uh, passing on the information to the next generation. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, any any uh, final thoughts? Um, well, I was just thinking about. I've got two really. Uh, I was just thinking about some more series that I think we we did uh, really well on. I mean, the summer series is definitely uh, also a must listen every year. Uh, but also, the um, I loved. Uh, well, it's weird to say that I love these, but I love it uh, in a. It's they're very cathartic. The um, the episodes that we air live after someone important is passed away i mean uh you know i remember the uh robin williams one and the uh james gandolfini one which was really upsetting to me i mean uh, uh mm-hmm. very, rod greber i mean yep uh so uh, a lot of those have a uh episodes have a real immediacy that i think is very important at those times and uh um 
I also wanted to mention, you know, that we had a series where we were doing the uh, the the best movies of each year to see if the Oscars got them right, and that's a very good series yeah. too. We've done all, uh, we've done, I think we've done uh, the 30s through the uh, through the present, uh, and uh, that, that's an incredibly valuable uh, set of things. But finally, I just want to say, you know, I've met a lot of people uh, because of this show. I mean, people like uh, not only Adam and, and you, of course, you guys, but also uh, listeners, faithful listeners of the show. Uh, I think we all have uh, made friends with a lot of these people. Uh, mm-hmm. people for me personally, people like uh, uh, Dallas and uh, and um, uh, and. Uh, Jason Miller, of course, and uh, just so many. Uh, you know the, oh, yeah. the the gentleman that that uh, wrote Graham from uh, from the UK. Has, yes, and yeah, all of them. All yeah, I mean there's so there's so many uh, uh, Elizabeth Gray and and uh, so many uh, uh, friends. I can't even remember them all, but uh, uh, they've they've uh, enriched my life in. Major ways. Absolutely. You know, I just got two emails last week, uh, and I'll read them next week on next week's show. But uh, one person that talked about how much they loved the show, and they're writing to uh, defend uh, Joan Crawford. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yes, yes. Uh, and then another one from uh, uh, you know one of our longest time listeners, uh, and it was mentioned earlier, Joseph Eisenberg, who wrote the Carrie book. Uh, yeah. He, he writes. He writes me quite often, and and also I get uh, a lot of emails uh, asking, uh, "What is the uh, what's the movie score that you played at the very end of it?" Because I don't identify it before I play it. A lot of times when I end the show with a movie score, so that that intrigues a lot of people. That I can't place that movie. Please tell me what it is. And <laughs> I do that as a test. I do that as a test to see how many people are listening to the very end. <laughs> that that's that's very clever. Well, you said, uh, well, and uh, Jamie, you said you know, one month you wanted to try every episode to do uh, milk and cookies. <laughs> Martha Roger, yes. Yeah. Well, we've talked about doing just a nothing, a nothing but a show uh, consisting of nothing but like bad '80s songs. From, oh, ending yeah. credit song. I, I've yeah. often, I've often tempted, uh, dared myself should I should make a uh, make an iPod iTunes playlist. Yeah. Of nothing but opening credit and closing credit songs. Um, yes. From the eighties. <laughs> That's so, a great idea. A lot of Patti LaBelle would be on that playlist. <laughs> and a little bit of Christopher Cross thrown in there. There you yeah. go. Uh, that's great stuff. So Jerry, what are, what are your parting words? Uh, keep listening to the show. That's all I gotta say. Just keep listening. Thank you for everyone who's listened for all this last decade. I mean, it's asking an awful lot because there's so much out there that you know, so much different types of media and everything. It's really very flattering that people have stuck with us this long. So I really appreciate it. Um, it means a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. And I, I want to say I want to say the same thing. Thank you to all of our listeners. And we hope that uh, we've uh, entertained you firstly and given you a, you know, kind of a haven where you feel like your all-consuming passion for movies is understood and shared. Um, 
and maybe offered a little inspiration along the way too. But uh, you guys have made our lives incredibly special these past 10 years, all of our listeners. And we are a family. I mean, on a personal level, I consider Mm -hmm. you, every one of you guys, part of my family, Jerry and Dean and, and, and Aaron and, Adam and I'm so thrilled mm-hmm. that we took a chance, man. Those ten years ago, when we didn't know what the hell we were doing, and in some respects we still don't, but we took a chance and we built something from it, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's it's great. All right, so we're all going to sing Kumbaya, right? <laughs> yeah, we're <gonna> sing <laughs> by, uh, no, no, we're really going to sing Milk and Cookies. I think that's what. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we will close. We won't close tonight's show with milk and cookies. We're going to close with uh, Michael McCormack's uh, closing theme that we spoke so glowingly of in the prior segment. Thank you guys uh, for joining for this 10-year celebration, and uh, we'll talk next week. 